Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Holler's mind. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Chapter 22 of Legions, the third episode of the third and final season of Legion, and one of the biggest, most highly anticipated episodes of all time. By all time, I mean three seasons, which is, you know, a a small subsection of time, Pete. Uh, you you are being silent, I think, right now because you're creeped out. Is I that... am shell shocked <laughs> by what we just watched, what we just witnessed. I am having problems putting <laughs> myself back together in a way that makes sense. I loved this episode. Fuck you. Uh, hold on. Calm down. No way, man. Why fuck me? Because it was a really good, well-crafted episode. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I apologize on my on behalf of myself and the entire production of Legion. I apologize. You should. Yeah, that was I the apologize. creepiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was very creepy. Uh, and to give you guys the context, and we've seen some creepy episodes of <laughs> this show. Yes, we have. I disagree with you that this is the creepiest episode ever. Um, but I think it was so well constructed, so well done. Uh, this was to give you the context. If for whatever reason you didn't tune in. This is the episode that finally, finally introduced David's What's the parents. title of this episode? Chapter 22. That's it. Yeah, they just titled the episode's chapters. That's it. Oh. What did you think the title was? I don't know. The Spookity House. <laughs> this episode should be labeled, hey, do you love Legion? Guess what? You're not going to get Legion. You're not going to get Legion for a whole episode. We're going to just fuck with you the whole time. Uh, what did, is real anymore? Uh, that's been the entire show. We end what? every episode of this podcast asking what's real and what's not real. Why is that new? This is new. This, I don't know why you were so shocked. But I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad it got an emotional reaction out of you, This Pete. show is insane. It is insane. Uh, but this was uh, one of the more sane episodes, I would argue. Oh, no. oh my God. <laughs> it's cr- Okay, all right. Let Before we get too far into this, let's do the recap for everything that's gone oh on so God. far because Good there's a lot of that. stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be laid down. Uh, actually, not as much as usual, yeah. technically speaking. I mean... So uh, there are a lot of things that we have found out about David Holler's parents. David Holler is the most powerful mutant alive. He... Uh, 
seem to have multiple personality disorder or other mental issues going on. When we first met him, he was in an insane asylum called Clockworks. That's where he met a girl named Sid who has the power to transfer her body from one body to another. They fell in love there. Uh, He joined up with other mutants. They fought against a being called the Shadow King. Turns out that the Shadow King was a parasitic entity that entered David as a baby and lived in him until it eventually was able to break free, reconstruct its body, which was the body of Amal Farouk. Uh, And along the way, David turned out to be the villain, as we have discovered at the end of the last season and going into this season. David has built a cult uh, around a very 60s cult based on love. But it's mostly about regaining what he lost. And what he lost was he took advantage of Sid. He took advantage of her mind. He wiped her mind of all the things that he had done. He slept with her. He violated her. He was put on trial for that and eventually escaped with Lenny, his second in command, uh, who has a body created out of his sister's body. Doesn't really play into this episode, but, you know, just a little note there. Uh, And uh, they built this cult in order to recruit a time traveler. That time traveler is Switch. Uh, Switch is, I think maybe she's a teenager, right? Something like that. Uh, She has two powers. One power, she can fast forward through her own history. And the other power, she can travel back through increments of time by entering a hallway that has doors there. So she's been able to travel five, ten minutes, an hour back. She's been told, don't travel very far back because somewhere back there is a beast lurking in that hallway. Yeah. Um, we'll get back to that in a little yeah, I bit. I got some theories now on that. I got some theories as well, bro. Uh, and uh, Switch, as we found out the last episode, didn't have the power to bring David into her hallway, so David used a Carrie, not Carrie, but Carrie. Uh, you know the difference, right, Pete? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're talking about the only Carrie we have left. Uh, no, there's two carries. What are you talking about? Well, one carry was kind of hurt in the previous episode. No, there's Carrie and Carrie. They're both around. Yeah. Yeah. One which was one kidnapped, did, though. Which one? Carrie. Nope. No, it is Carrie. Uh, and, uh, he's super smart. Uh, he has been recruited to amp up Switch's powers. Uh, funny thing, they kind of skip past all of that, which I really liked as a choice, by the way. I'll just throw that out there. Uh I don't. The other thing that we've learned over this uh, course of Legion that's probably important to know is we know, and this is very similar from the comics, but Charles Xavier traveled down to Morocco, met Amal Farouk when he was in his human form. They had a psychic battle on the astral plane, and eventually Amal's body was killed and destroyed, but Amal, as revenge took his essence, his spirit, and put it inside of David. And as we find out this episode, we get to see pretty much exactly what actually happened back in the day, or at least a little piece of it, to fill in those gaps of that history. So there you go. Anything I missed in the recap, Pete? No, just all the creepy shit. Just all the creepy shit. Oh, we should mention uh, creepy things that have happened to David over the course of his life, particularly in the first season of the show. We got to see the true form of the Shadow King, which was the devil with the yellow eyes. I always forget whether it's the demon with the yellow eyes or the devil with the yellow eyes. It's demon. Uh, okay. Well, either way. Hey, we'll, we'll agree to disagree, Pete. Cool. Uh, which is a big, uh, chonky dude who's all yellow and very spooky. And then there's another aspect of that, which is the world's angriest boy in the world, which is an old story that David's mother used to read him, uh, and it's very spooky as well. It's basically a little Hitler doll. Uh, I mean, um, not exactly. 
It yeah. has no mustache. It looks like a little baby evil Hitler. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Like with the it's short the creepiest, pants and everything. It's yes. very creepy. It, it's the that creepiest was the thing. doll that I've ever seen I in think my life. that was the thing you were responding to in the episode more than anything, is you just do not like the world's angriest boy of the world. Right. And it's also like, get that away from your baby. You can't, you can't start your baby's life with that. Here's what I'll disagree with you about that, is back in the day... And what was one of the interesting things, there were a lot of interesting things about this episode, but one of the interesting things was sort of setting it in time because we're somewhat set. They're never very specific about what war it's after. Mm -hmm. But in the comics, Gabriel Holler, who is uh, David's mother, is a Holocaust survivor. She was in the camps. Uh, she ends up in an insane asylum. She, her mind is repaired by Charles Xavier. That's where they meet. That's where they fall in love. Magneto is also there in the comics in the insane asylum. He doesn't show up in this episode. I mean, he could have been one of the background crazy people. You uh, don't know. Sure. I guess that's possible. There yeah. was. Uh, I'll watch it again and see if anybody was like, well, magnets, man. These are cool. There was one guy kind of like floating by that kind of looked like, you know, maybe he could have been. Did he have a helmet? No. Did he say, I'm Magneto? He was kind of looking at his change. He was like, I'll probably do something about this. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that was probably Magneto then. Yeah, probably. Uh, but uh, the thing about the doll that I wanted to say is at that time, there were a lot of dolls like that. Like they were more handcrafted. Oh, so at the time, there were creepy dolls? Is what you're supposed to say? Yeah, it was uh, creepy doll times. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. The way cool. the era goes is there's World War I, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's the Great Depression. Right, right. Uh, that went on for a while, I yeah. think. Uh, that led right into World War II times. Mm-hmm. And then there were creepy doll times. <laughs> and then we got the 60s. Oh, great. Yeah. Wow. So time-wise, it makes a lot of sense. Sure. Real fit. Fits right in then. No, I do think though. So uh, Gabriel, and this is jumping right into the middle of things, but Gabriel is eventually revealed to have the doll for the world's angriest boy in the world. Um, assuming any of this is actually real, but my interpretation of that was she's probably Jewish. Mm-hmm. She was probably uh, forced into a shtetl before World War II and then into the camps. And a lot of that, they didn't have a lot of resources. They needed to, they didn't have food. They were being oppressed by the Nazis. She probably, she or her parents probably made that doll. Like that, all her family was killed. That's something we find out officially this episode. So my take on it was that was all she had left of her family. And that's why she held on to it. And maybe it was, maybe it was a Hitler parody doll, like a way of taking this scary, horrific figure that had destroyed her entire world, and they made something into a little doll so you couldn't be as scared of it. Yeah, it's like maybe the, I've seen uh, like Trump dolls for dogs and cats that they can like rip apart and stuff. Yeah, makes yeah. them less scary, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Maybe some big dog will go to Washington. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't arrest me. Uh, Okay, let's jump back and walk through this episode. uh, Okay, well, first off, let me just say, like... (laughs) First off, (laughs) we've spent 10 solid minutes talking about a doll. What's first off? Yeah, so first off, (laughs) it's like, hey... Do you love the show? Yes, yes, I love Legion. Great. Do you love the whole cast? Yes, I do. Uh, well, guess what? In this episode, you get none of the things you like. Then you're going to get a shitty version of Charles Xavier, Aww. and you're going to be in a haunted house and in a insane asylum, and you're going to be scared the whole episode. You're not going to know why, but it's slowly revealed, and then it just fucks with you the whole time. I, cool. Hey, th- but don't forget about Hitler, baby. Okay, great. Awesome. 
always comes back to that doll, doesn't it, Pete? Yeah. I what I loved about this episode is this is important, right? This is for David's overall history. We have wondered about his parents. He even talks about it in the episode and says. Why did they abandon me? Why did they leave me? We didn't mention this in the recap, but uh, when we met David, he was adopted. He was living with a different family. Um, So we don't know why they left him or why Charles Xavier, who is this deified character in the X-Men canon, would have abandoned his child. And we find out why that happened here. We get the whole history of that. That is important. And I like the fact that, like the Switch episode. Really? We found out? Yeah, man. We found out, did we? Yeah, man. Because I didn't find out. How did you find out? Because I watched watching the episode. Yeah, I watched the episode, and I just saw a poor dude and his wife who didn't seem like she was coming to, and then it kind of faded to black. So I don't know. You could interpret what's going on there. Okay, so hold on. The Switch episode at the beginning of this season right. was the same sort of thing where we didn't get to see the cast for half the episode, but we yeah, understood. Yeah, we got the cast, We got the cast. We got them here, too. No, you got to see not. David. No. You got to see Switch. You got to see Lenny. You saw... What? Where was Lenny? There was a flash of Lenny. Maybe. Oh, you are... Maybe. You, you, sir, claiming to be... Aubrey Plaza, super fat, didn't even notice her face. Uh, it was her face. When are you going to see Child's Play? When are you going to see <laughs> Child's Play? Come on, man. The woman is a national treasure. Yeah, clearly not. Yeah. Clearly not. Clearly she's National Treasure I, Book of Secrets or whatever I'm the secret called. I'm not going to put myself through that Child's Play to see. What was what? National Treasure 2 called? Tell me that, Pete. Then I'll give you Aubrey Plaza number one fat. <laughs> can't, do the, can't do it. Can't do it. The rise of the map. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We have not even gotten into the recap for the episode yet. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a lot of stuff. So explain to me what happened then, Hot Shot. Do you want me to kind of like put it in order for you? No, I don't want you to put it in order for me. I want Well, you that's to, what an explanation is. I just want you to tell me <laughs> what happened to David's parents then, Hot Shot. What happened to David's parents? Gabriel, this is jumping way to the end of the episode, but Gabriel Haller ended up back in a catatonic state where Charles Xavier could not reach her, and he was so grief-stricken, he gave away his baby to another family because he could not deal with it. You don't know that. Yes, we already found that out in the show. That was in earlier episodes. We got to see Charles giving the baby over because he could not care for it. He completely lost. He thought he had beaten Farouk, and ultimately, he completely lost. So he... So he just dip, dips on his baby, dips on his wife, and starts the X-Men? Yeah. Cool. Oh, man. That's I'm classic super, Charles Xavier, though. I'm super into the X-Men Xavier now. Is oh, a, what a great story. Oh, Yo, on, this origin story rocks, bro. Have Yo, you, this is This so is just cool. a quick question for you. Yeah. Have you read any X-Men comic books? Not lately. That's the problem, because Charles Xavier is a dick. Yeah. Like, he's a total dick. This is completely consistent with everything he has ever done in the comics, where he has his responsibility to the mutant race, he has his responsibility to the world, and he pushes anybody who loves him and anybody who cares him to the side because of that. So this fits totally with that. It's also... Cool, 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 cool. This is not exactly what happens in the comics with David, because Gabriel uh, keeps the baby not secret, but, like, has the baby on her own, raises the baby, eventually takes it to Maura McTaggart, I can never pronounce her name, uh, to have him checked out, uh, and he starts to manifest his powers. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know. It felt very consistent with me for Charles Xavier. 
Can we get to the recap of the episode? Oh, no, man. The Charles Xavier was a complete douche. And That's the, Charles the only Xavier. time you saw, like, he put his fingers to his head and it's like, oh, that's Charles Xavier. But there was nothing about this Yo, guy. Yo, you just put your fingers to your head. Are you Charles Xavier? No, no I'm not. Oh, man. Um, I'm and not going to ditch maybe. my family and be a fucking douche. Uh, <laughs> Yo, fuck Charles Xavier for leaving his wife for that long. That was bullshit. There's a whole cover, a classic cover. Charles Xavier, uh, Professor Xavier is a jerk, right? Yeah. He's a jerk. He is a jerk. I, what I liked about this characterization there's a bunch of things I liked about his characterization, but yeah. I thought it seemed like a nice, consistent point, particularly with James McAvoy's take on Charles Xavier, right? Sure. In the X-Men no, movies No, I know that what you're talking seen? about, but I'm, I don't understand how you're going to connect McAvoy to that piece of shit we saw in this episode. McAvoy is also a piece of shit. Yeah? Yeah, he's not nice to his sister Mystique. Yeah, but at what point... Does Charles say to anybody, hey, guess what? I have a wife and kid at home. Like, this is fun, like, fighting all these things. First of all, it's a different timeline. It's not the same Charles Xavier, right? It's not. You can't plug it in with the continuity of the X-Men movies at all because they barely make sense on their own. (laughs) But uh, I think the more human, more engaged, younger take on Charles Xavier that McAvoy did makes sense with the take that they have here on Legion. But also you could see how eventually he would leave into the comics interpretation of Xavier as well. Explain yourself. Uh, I visually liked how they did his mind raise. I think that made sense also. It's something that we've never seen in the movies, and I thought that was very nice because... Legion, the show, regardless of when the character showed up, is, I think, very influenced by the earlier X-Men comic books, the more groovy 60s X-Men comic books. And that's what Xavier is like. He's not a leader yet here. He is the man who is in love with Gabriel Haller. He is trying to figure out his world, figure out his rules. And ultimately, this is the tragedy that spurs him on to create the X-Men. That's my take. Can we get into the recap? Fine. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know what? Just because we've spent so much time on this, I think I'm not going to walk through every single plot point, but uh, we get to see... We start off with baby David as a baby in a crib. Gabriel is watching over him alone. She's writing Charles a letter, and but she's not sure the entire time whether she's back in it and says, uh, actually, here's what I'm going to do for time. Is I'm going to lay it out in order, and we can touch on things as we go. All right? Great. Because there's a lot of questions, as always, what is reality, what is not reality. But if you look at it as a timeline, Gabriel Haller, post-World War II, ends up in this insane asylum. Mm -hmm. At some point later, Charles Xavier, who is a war vet, we get to see a brief thing of him in a foxhole convincing a German dude to kill himself with his mind powers, uh, his telepathy. Uh, He ends up in the same insane asylum. Uh, He gets very enamored and interested in Gabriel, who is catatonic, and ultimately gives her a little push to wake her up. Uh, Once she wakes up, they start to chat. They fall in love. uh, They go on various dates. They Lovely, you know, just in love montage, you know, as you do in an insane asylum, you know. Well, so here's the interesting thing about the insane asylum. (laughs) Well, here's the thing about that that I really liked, and I didn't, I'm sure I did not pick up on absolutely everything that happens in the insane asylum, uh, but 
there are so many callbacks to the first episode of the show here. Yeah. They talk about it a little bit where David and Switch, when eventually they start to break into the reality a little bit, uh, David says, huh, my parents met in an insane asylum. Yeah. It must run in the family. Right. But the cherry pie thing, that's what Sid and David first bonded about in the very first episode of the show. Wow. They sit down, they have cherry pie. Uh, David has this whole thing about cherry pie is the perfect food because you got the crust, you got the fruit, you got all the food groups that you need. Uh, so that's a little bit of a call that's, back there. Yeah, that's and then there's, wait, I'm going to, uh, blanking on exactly what the song is, but there's a song during their love montage, during Gabriel yeah. and Charles's love montage, the colors everywhere, rainbow in her hair, that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the song from Sid's introduction in the first episode wow. when she comes down the stairs and David sees her for the first time. So those were the only two I picked up on, but I'm sure there's a lot more there down to the way that the shots are framed in the asylum are very reminiscent of Clockworks uh, back in the first season. But the difference is Clockworks is full of color. It's the 60s uh, versus here. It's drab. It's colorless. Everything is monochrome across the board. I also think it's really nice how when a show knows like this is the last season, they can make fun choices like that. We're like, oh, all right, since this is the last season, we can tie stuff into the first season. And it's really nice to see them kind of putting their end on on the three seasons. It's really fun. Now, the interesting thing to me about making those parallels is the Sid-David relationship is so fraught right now. In fact, I would argue they should not have a relationship at all because he has... He violated her, and then as we saw in the last episode, when he had a chance to actually talk to her, he violated her mind again. Yeah. Uh, To parallel that with Gabriel and Charles's relationship, which on the surface at least seems more straightforward in love, uh, is interesting to me. What's your take on it? He also violates her as well. Do you think so? Yeah. When they first met, and then... um, he was like, oh, I'm just, listen, yeah, I, I don't pry too much. I'm so polite. When I jump into somebody's fucking mind and root around for shit I can relate to, hey, fuck you, Charles Xavier, you creepy son of a bitch. Again, that's very consistent with Charles Xavier. Meet but- someone like a normal person, you <laughs> asshole. I, if, you, if you had a chance, <laughs> if you were on a first date, yeah. Right? right. And you had a chance to kind of like just very lightly root around somebody's oh, no, life. You can't lightly root. Just very There's lightly. There's no such thing as lightly just rooting. Like tiptoe around being, a little my, bit. That was my whole point. It's you can't be polite and root through somebody's shit. But would you do it if you had <laughs> mind powers? No. No, I wouldn't. Really? Not without consent, motherfucker. Oh. Hmm. I mean, I would. <laughs> I know you would. You're evil, man. You're, all, all the look, time. Just look at you. You're, <laughs> you're so excited. You're lit up. Yeah. You're all, <laughs> I mean, on a TV show, it's wrong, and in real life, it's wrong. But in this hypothetical situation, I don't think I'd be able to help myself. Oh, my God. If you're on a first date, you could say, and maybe that person would be impressed, like, hey, just so you know, I can read minds. Yeah. Would you mind? Would it be okay? Yeah. I'd be so, like, it's like in the classic movie, What Women Want. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And you made it creepy again. Yeah, I did make it creepy again. Yes, you're right. Of course, you should never actually do that. And I think think if I actually had that power, I'd be in a panic my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Because for the very reason, like 100% seriously, the idea of like being like, oh, God, what if I accidentally read somebody's mind? What do I do? What do I do? (laughs) 
Uh, that's why you would end up in an insane asylum there. In any case, uh, yeah, I, I think to get back to the point you were making, though, yes, he does. He makes these rules, but he is going in without consent. Yeah. And he is creating these things. And that's what's going on with Gabriel. The entire episode is she's wondering whether anything is real. What sucks is I've this episode. This episode made me realize I never liked Charles Xavier. Yeah. And this just proved it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy who I thought was cool collecting all these heroes and like putting a team together is not a good guy. It's funny. Patrick Stewart is amazing, right? I love Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart is wonderful. He looks perfect as Charles Xavier, but those X-Men movies never really got Xavier the way that he is in the comics. Like he always has something going on where they're like, what the fuck did you do, Charles? Yeah. Why did you completely ruin this? You, why did you keep the secret from us? That's going to break everything. Uh, And they got to that a little better, I think, in, like, X-Men First Class. That's why I draw the parallels with the James McAvoy version. Um, In any case, to get back to it for a second. Uh, Let's get back to the creepiest episode of all time. Sure. So, again, I'm just laying out the timeline, and then we can talk more about the specifics. So, uh, Xavier and Gabriel are falling in love. Uh, One night, Gabriel sneaks into the room and says, I wish we could just escape from here. And he's like, actually, I have a little bit of a trick I could do. And they exit. Everybody starts applauding for them, and they leave. That was a very fun scene. That was a very fun scene. It certainly raises the question very specifically the way that it's staged, whether they ever left the insane asylum, right? But assuming they do, they move somewhere. uh, I believe it's down south. I believe it's Florida and America based on where, well, in the second season. Based on the stars and where the moon is located. Yeah, I was just doing a quick look at that. Astrologically lining it up. Oh, it's got to be Florida. (laughs) Based on the plant life the way that it is. Oh! Seriously. And then also based on the fact that I'm blanking Oliver Bird, uh, Jermaine Clement's character, Mm -hmm. he travels with Lenny slash the Shadow King in the second season, and they say, we're going to look for something down south. We don't know necessarily that any of it takes place in America, but certainly this is down south. This is one of the places that they're heading to, and I think it makes sense that that would be in sort of the same location. So they move to this big house together. Uh, They live there. They raise David as a baby. Uh, And then uh, Charles Xavier builds Cerebro, which is how he first makes contact with Amal Farouk. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly an implication there that Farouk is manipulating him and forcing him to search him out in Morocco. Uh, and then he heads off, much to Gabriel's consternation. She's left alone in the house for a very long period of time, yeah. at which point she starts hearing voices and music. From funky the, music. Funky music. Very funky music. And this is the music uh, from David's cult. And yep. as we find out a little later on, David and Switch have managed to travel back in time, but they're not physically there. They're essentially there as almost ghosts. So they have come back to try to prevent the Shadow King from ever possessing baby David. Ultimately, they're completely unsuccessful. Uh, but we get to see a bunch of different scenes as this happens. Uh, we get to see the Shadow King, presumably post-battle with Charles Xavier. He does call her right afterwards and tells her, oh, God, I never should have come down to Morocco. Farouk is a monster. But he's still not back there in time. Uh, Farouk attacks. David tries to break through. There's a lot of confusion going on. He manages to protect the baby David at one point. 
Uh, and interestingly, we get to see Switch's father on the TV doing yeah. a good night address. So there's perhaps a little bit of a connection. We've been asking the question why Switch is so into David, but perhaps there's some sort of a connection going on there. Uh, he manages to protect baby David, uh, but Gabriel starts having nightmarish visions of doors disappearing and reappearing. She ends up in a room with no doors. She manages to get out uh, and sees the ghost of adult David there, who is talking in a deep, horrible voice saying, Mommy, Mommy. Charles Xavier comes in at the very last second as Gabriel faints, uh, blasts David away, and Charles is unsuccessfully trying to contact the catatonic Gabriel as the Shadow King inhabits baby David's body. Meanwhile, back in Switch's hallway, she she just basically falls asleep from the effort, pulls out one of her teeth. David freaks out in the hallway. And the last thing that we get to see is Farouk in baby David's mind saying, oh, my precious baby. Um, My little boy. My little boy. He's like saying he's the father. Right. Well, this is the dynamic that they've been dealing with the entire series is Farouk really being the person that raised David. Yeah, that's true. So that's the broad overview. Let's go back and pick out little parts here. What do you want to talk about here, Pete? What's bothering first, you? First, I want to... There's a lot bothering me. Yeah, sure. Uh, but first, I want to get into the beast. Uh, I wanna, do you want to... You want no, me I want to hear, I wanna hear your theory. I've All been right, talking so, for a while. Because uh, she keeps pulling out teeth from the time travel, I think the beast is a fucked up tooth fairy. That lets her time travel as long as she leaves teeth there that the beast can eat. But if she runs out of teeth, eventually that beast is going to eat her. That is not the theory I thought you were going to go with. Yep, I have a different theory <laughs> about both the teeth and the beast. My theory on the teeth is the teeth are doors. Like, if you look at the shape of the doors, they're kind of tooth-like in a way. Uh, we saw one tooth fall out... Um, earlier on and then this time when she pulls out her tooth she says i'm sorry i'm sorry we can't go back i think that door is closed like each door essentially is a tooth and when eventually she loses all her teeth she'll no longer be able to access her power that's fucked up man i mean that's my take on it i don't know if that's true but the beast i think the beast is david Right? Whoa, really? Yeah, I think David's not going to stop trying to go back, and he's going to keep going back farther and farther and farther. The physical way that David plants himself Mm -hmm. in the episode after Switch falls unconscious, and he sort of crouches down and arches his back, and then eventually he stands up and he screams and he's glowing. But the very little glimpse that we had at the Beast in the first episode physically seemed very similar to the way David was crouched. So I wonder if ultimately he's going to corrupt himself. Dude, this show is just so fucked up, man. It is pretty fucked up. I wonder if we're going to go even further back because one thing that was pretty clear from this episode is David is wondering why does his parents abandon him? Why did the Shadow King inhabit him? Why did this all happen to him? And I think you could argue it's his fault, right? How is it his fault? It's a baby, man. No, no, no. It's adult David's fault. Like, he creates this loop, essentially, because his power, his going back in time to the dual times of the asylum and also the house, although they may potentially be actually the same sign, mm-hmm. uh, same time if they're not real, 
uh, his power, his trying to protect his parents, is the thing that we see that seems to attract Farouk to them in the first place and attract Farouk to Charles. I would say. Huh. That, that's tough because it seemed like the Shadow King was always there. The Shadow King first shows up during one of the 60s visions at night because David shows up at night trying to protect them. Farouk is attracted to power, and I think you could potentially say that he first no, saw Charles and Gabriel because of that. No, I thought it was the cere- Cerebro attracted. Cerebro happens after the Insane Asylum, right? Right. So I th- Cerebro is when Farouk maybe makes contact with Charles, but Charles definitely sees Farouk for the first time. But there's a vision when Charles is asleep at night in the asylum where you see 60s David. Well, actually, I think you see Farouk through the curtains, like coming through curtains. David breaks into there and pushes him away. And then Charles wakes up, goes through the curtains, goes into the foxhole and kills the soldier. Right. So you have that whole sequence going on there. But Farouk did see him, but being pushed away by David, that would certainly amp up Farouk Uh, wanting to come after Charles. I think what happened was the Charles uh, Shadow King fight. Shadow King was about to die, but came through the phone line to that house and then corrupted the baby as a revenge. Uh, yes, I think that all happened, but I think the first spark there was David coming back in time and attracting him to them in the first place. And then ultimately, Charles is distracted while the Shadow King inhabits David because David traveled back in time. Gabriel is driven catatonic and goes crazy because she thinks there's ghosts in the house who are actually Switch and David. So would it have happened anyway? Maybe. But I think the way that the timeline works, it is a loop there. It's a self-causation loop that David sets up this situation where these dominoes Now, what's interesting is David keeps saying, like, why did my parents leave me? And I think it's David's fault. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think we're agreeing here. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think it, yeah, yeah. I think his mom got so freaked out. Uh, so what else should we talk about here? Uh, there's an interesting quote that happens when Charles first gets to the asylum. Uh, I think it's Herigard. Every man is born as many men and dies as a single one. I think that's a little bit of a foreshadowing, right? Mm-hmm. Because David is, as a baby, essentially born as many men, born as legion. Uh, but ultimately, he something is going to happen, and I think he's going to... I think we're going to see the death of David by the end of the series, right? Yeah. I think. Um, what else? Anything else you want to talk about while I'm scanning through my notes here, Pete? Yeah, I want to talk about the fact that um, his poor mother, man. You yeah. Know, she's been through so much, and then you know she has to live in a creepy house. Do you think that ghosts are just people trying to time travel? Uh, we've talked about this before, you and I. You believe in ghosts, right? Because you met a ghost once. Yep. Uh, do you think it was? Did it seem like a time traveler in that case? Uh, not, not in that case, no. But you know, so I guess. Did it give you any baseball scores or anything like that? No, it didn't. All right. Well, Pretty then upset. it probably wasn't a time traveler. Yeah. If if you ever time travel, just have some baseball scores handy. Ah, uh, always. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah. 
what what better to bet on <laughs> than baseball scores from an almanac? Um, so, well, let me ask this. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, but Switch brings up, she says, I don't know, these times are linked somehow. Mm-hmm. Why do you think those times are linked? Because we got the... That's when David's parents got together. That's why. Maybe. I I think it's left open to interpretation whether maybe they are at the same time. You know, we see a shot of Gabriel and Charles dancing. They're in fancy dress. They're in a hall all alone. Later on, we get to see that scene, but they're in the insane asylum. Uh, So I think the implication is pretty clear that uh, Charles is able to create these places in oh, the mind. Oh, you think that's super clear, do you? Yeah. Do you think it's, it's super clear? It's the same cl- exact shot. Oh, my God. This show, there's nothing clear about this show, all right? Yo, this is a it's, totally clear show, man. No way, man. There's nothing linear. Clear, clear there's nothing it? clear. You can't say the phrase, it's so clear, all right? That, there's nothing clear about when this When I try show. to pitch people on Legion, I say, one thing I'll say about it, it's as clear <laughs> as a new windshield. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Driven for the first time. No bugs on this one. Uh, One little Easter egg that I thought was super fun uh, was Gabriel and Charles playing chess. I know that's such a little thing, but, like, that's such a classic Charles Xavier playing chess. He loves chess. He loves it. Yeah. Usually with Magneto. So maybe that was a shout-out to Magneto not being there in the scene. Uh, And he loses. Yeah. That guy's always losing chess. (laughs) He is. Uh, Another Easter egg that I thought was kind of neat, and they always have these all throughout – but the in the house, mm-hmm. the way that they placed the lamps and the lamps that they used created X symbols with the light. Wow. And what I thought was particularly neat about that, it was very clear in the shot where the shadow from the Shadow King's essence is going up the stairs. So the light is essentially Charles Xavier. This is the way I interpreted it, protecting the house. But the Shadow King makes his way around in the shadows. Right, Pete? Yeah, that's fucking creepy. Yeah, again. I'm I, just I, looking through my notes, and I'm looking at all the times that I just wrote a douchey Charles Xavier. It's <laughs> just like packing up all this stuff. Hey, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I know I saved you from uh, insane asylum, or we all could still be there, but uh, I'm going to leave you because you seem really mentally stable and totally cool to raise our child. For, I don't know, a bunch of months. Peace out. I'm going to go fight a guy because I put a lamp on my head. Fuck you, Charles Xavier. Those were the times. Those were the times. It was creepy baby times. And it was uh, go leave for months at a time times. Cool. That's what happened. Yeah. That's that's, uh, what the times were like. Uh, There was one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Wait, I just had it over here, and then I don't... Oh, uh, I wanted to talk about what I thought was the creepiest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've talked about a lot of creepy stuff. Sure, sure. There's after Gabriel escapes from the room with no doors, she goes into the nursery and goes to pick up David, baby David, who's laying face down, flips him over, and you see the back of the head is the front of his head, and she keeps flipping him over, and he has no face. Yeah. As a father of children, that is terrifying. <laughs> like, you always already get terrified by the idea of, what if I come in and my baby is lying face down and they've died? 
right? So to be unable to turn the baby over is horrifying. Beyond the visual of just like a hairy head yeah. is gross. How did you feel about that? Did that strike you the same way? <laughs> Not that in the way. I just thought it was a super creepy idea of like keep flipping a baby over and it's still the back of their head. That was really, yeah, I didn't have that fear, but it was, it definitely creeps me out. And uh, yeah, because I also reached to adjust the screen because I was like, wait a second. Where's the best goddamn baby's face? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta change that setting. Yeah, the baby yeah. has no face setting. On yeah, your yeah. Screen. Sometimes it can, you know, right? Yeah. You ever, you ever watch a tennis match like that? Like you're watching tennis on TV and you're like, put the no face setting on. <laughs> what, what did I do? Yeah. Or if you put uh, just if the face setting is too turned too high, the face is everything. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Nothing but face. Nothing but faces. Nothing yeah. but face. That's what I always say. Uh, one other thing that I really liked about this episode, to get there back to There's nothing I liked about this episode. <laughs> about the classic Charles Xavier of it all, or at least the classic X-Men of it all, is it's always about some sort of philosophical difference, right? Like, that's what X-Men comes down to beyond everything else. You'll have uh, Xavier versus Magneto, Wolverine versus Cyclops, Marrow versus Maggot, you know, the classic matchup. Sure, sure. Uh, Here you had Gabriel and Charles in a very different way, and I thought the way that they set that up was interesting, that Charles is more hopeful about the world, Gabriel is more negative about the world, and they join together to form David, who has both of these things in him, and that's what he's wrestling with. I like that a lot. Like, I thought they underlined the differences in the way they view things. Also, because Charles was able to go into these foxholes and save himself, where Gabriel was able to not save any of her family and ultimately lost everything. Wow. I don't know. I thought that was cool. Way to grab a silver lining from the creepiest episode ever. Again, I thought this was a great episode. I thought this was so well shot, so well acted. Do you watch Mr. Robot? Sometimes, yeah. Okay, Stephanie Corneliuson, who plays Gabriel Haller, I I was very happy to see her do something else that is not the actual creepiest lady in the world, which she does on Mr. Robot. Uh, But I thought she was great. I thought the guy... They were uh, like, all right, we need a creepy lady. I know. I know the perfect (laughs) one. Uh, Go to our file of creepy ladies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, She was great. I thought Xavier was great. No, don't. No, don't say Xavier was great. I mean, he's a jerk, but he's great. Nope. The good thing, the interesting thing about Charles Xavier's character is he never thinks he's being a jerk. He always thinks he's doing this for the good of everybody, Yeah, but he's ultimately... Whose good was he serving when he put a lamp on his head and goes, I gotta go to Morocco, some Shadow King oh, wants wait, to fight wait, when you me. said lamp on his head, were you talking about Cerebro? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't look like a lamp. Oh, yeah. What do the lamps in your apartment look like? Just like that. Really? A bunch yeah. of Cerebros? Yep. Do you use them on dates? Just no. like kind of find out, just no. like a little little pry no, without a little poking around. Haven't yeah. you seen Fifth Element? Not without my permission. <laughs> Man, we have different references. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, whose good was it for? Yeah, whose good was it for? His. It was. That's the thing about Charles Xavier is that ultimately he is completely self-involved all the time. You were like, oh, he's trying to do good. I was like, no, he's not. He's trying. He's he's a selfish asshole. No, he thinks he's trying to do good, but ultimately he's only helping himself. Right. All the time. He. That's Xavier. Cool. They did it. Great. They did it. 
Awesome. Cheers to them. I can't wait to move on from this episode. Huzzah! This is a key episode in the history of Legion. I thought it was perfectly done. Nope. Uh, I want to go back and watch the first episode now again just to see what other parallels will in there, which I think are so smart and so subtle, and they did such a nice job with. It's good. Let's talk about this before we wrap up, because I can see you getting angrier and angrier, Pete. Yep. In this episode alone, what was real and what was not real? What's your take on it? All right. So first off, this makes me think nothing in the show that we have seen has been real, because Charles Xavier has been creating it from the goddamn beginning. What if we haven't been in David's mind the whole time? What if we've been in David's mom's head the whole time? I want to say I wish you guys could be here to watch this tape because Pete is pacing like he's at a TED Talk right now. <laughs> We've been in David's mom's head the whole time. Uh, you gotta, you got to put up a PowerPoint or something like that to really oh just complete God. this visual for me. I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't go that far, but I'm definitely very doubtful of the creepy haunted house being real. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if... Especially when doors show up in front of it. Yeah. It makes me think it's not a real place. Yeah. It w- that part, it was very unclear whether that was just in Gabriel's mind or something being created by David, something being created by the Shadow King. I certainly need to like sit down and take a little more time after this episode to mull over what the doors meant because that's such a clear theme with what's going on with Gabriel. The doors keep moving. They keep disappearing. They keep changing. She feels like she has no way out. She feels like the goalpost keeps changing. Maybe I'm not 100% sure, but that's certainly something that seemed like, well, that's not real, but I don't know how far the unreality goes. Yeah. And when she's writing that letter to Charles, she's just like, are we, am I even here or am I back? But she, I mean, that's a good thing to bring up. She wasn't even writing a letter. Like, we're told in her head, yeah, she says she's writing just going to send it to Morocco. Well, we should we cut to the letter, and we see she just drew a curve on it. Yeah. That's it. So she, her mental state is clearly breaking, and I think the whole lady alone in a haunted house slowly going insane was very well done, and I really like that in the episode as the structure as well. You're just nodding. You're just nodding. I'm no. just upset, you know. <laughs> but that's... bad for... Most of the women in this show. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's uh, that's what makes it good. That's what makes it well done. Right? Because you feel for the characters. Even a character we just met, like Gabriel Haller, you get completely into her in her life. It's, it's very sad. It is very sad. You know what's not sad? You could support us on Patreon. <laughs> if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by, and we'll just, you know, pry around in your mind just a little bit. No, we won't. Not Pete, unless what, you give us permission. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Pete, what would you like to plug? Uh, friend us on Facebook, please. <laughs> I need real friends. <laughs> uh, uh, We'll tell you about the amazing guests we have on our live show, which isn't as creepy as this show. Sometimes it is. You can follow us at Comic Book Live on Twitter or at Inside Legion for Legion-specific content. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. Also, check out ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. And we'll see you inside Legion. Whoa.